in the uh, history of rock and roll. I believe that the English band Led Zeppelin occupies what I consider to be an important and an interesting place. Synthesizing many of the characteristics of blues and folk, even country, along with the rhythmic experimentation and the creative atonality of Middle Eastern and Asian music. The albums of Led Zeppelin reflect the musical influence of people like Muddy Waters and Robert Johnson every bit as much as they reflect the influence of their hard rock contemporaries. I'm convinced of that. In 1971, Led Zeppelin released their song, Stairway to Heaven, on their untitled fourth studio album, an eight-minute meditative epic in three sections. Imagine popular music getting away with that in 2023. An eight-minute meditative epic in three sections with cryptic lyrics and layered instrumentation. The song became an anthemic reminder of rock and roll's ability to generate musical lyric or lyric, lyrical musicality and not simply bombastic energy. Significant. The lyrics, the music of Stairway to Heaven evoke the image of a mystical interplay between the things of heaven and the things of earth. According to the song, there are people who attempt to buy this stairway to heaven, since in their eyes all that glitters is gold. But ultimately, as the song unfolds, it's revealed that this mystical stairway can only be discerned in a songbird that sings, or in the whispering wind, or in the voices of the people who are standing alongside us, looking toward the west at a beautiful sunset. Interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine last year, Robert Plant, the lead vocalist for Led Zeppelin, reflected upon Stairway to Heaven in this way. I wrote it as a song of hope. He penned the lyrics. I wrote it as a song of hope, Robert Plant said. We were all reeling from Vietnam and political corruption. I was 23 years of age and I was overwhelmed by the need to believe that the things of heaven were close, but in a way that could not be bought or sold. Stairway to Heaven, for some reason, has always whispered deeply to my consciousness. I'm not exactly certain why. I think it goes beyond the lyrical nature of the tune, the singability of the song. It might have something to do with the fact that, like many of you, I suspect, I long for there to be a stronger sense of connection between the sometimes tedious rhythms of daily life and the grander glories of the heavenly realm. I long for there to be a connection, a ladder, if you will, between my daily responsibilities and the things of heaven, something that would remind me in a powerful way that God is close, something that would remind me that God has something to do with my daily journey. Any of you ever long for an experience like that, something that reminds you that God has something to do with what you are dealing with in your daily life? 
And I also find myself wondering if this biblical character with whom we have been spending time, Jacob, is in need of that same kind of reminder. If you were present in worship last week, you saw some unflattering portions of Jacob's character as he focused on his twin brother's hunger as an opportunity to cheat his twin brother out of his sacred birthright. And since that time, since that time, at least in the biblical narrative, there was a part of the story that we have not dealt with together. And that has to do with this same Jacob tricking his father, Isaac, into giving to him, Jacob, the sacred blessing that also rightfully belonged to his twin brother. So, friends, if you are looking for moral integrity in your biblical characters, you do not find it in Jacob at this point in the story. You simply do not. And yet, that might be part of the biblical revelation, right? That God's relationship with humankind, God's relationship with humankind is always driven and driven by and dependent on the relentlessness of God's grace. It never depends upon the beauty or the consistency or the integrity of human character. All of which is to say that God seems to see something in this Jacob that is beyond what we can see. He seems to identify, I don't know, a potential that we are not able to recognize. He preserves relationship with somebody that we would be inclined to disqualify. And all of that brings us to this morning's snapshot in scripture in which we find Jacob in a wilderness place that does not have a name. This wilderness place exists somewhere on this 450 mile stretch between Beersheba and Haran. It's an uncharted desert in the middle of a portion of Israel that we don't even know about at this point in time. That's where we find Jacob. And I have to believe that Jacob, at this point in his journey, is in desperate need of some sense of meaning that goes beyond his own manipulations, his own calculations. And I say that because at this moment, Jacob is on the run from his understandably furious twin brother. And in the midst of all of that, what does Jacob do in this morning's scripture? He puts, it, he puts his head on a rock and he tries to get some sleep in the wilderness. And isn't that a perfect image for those moments when life becomes difficult? He put his head on a rock. It brings to mind those moments, and I don't know whether you've experienced days like this, but those moments when I've simply wanted to put my forehead on my desk and maybe thump it a little bit for emphasis. Jacob puts his head on a rock and he tries to get some sleep and it is in this moment of sleep in the wilderness that God comes to Jacob in a dream. And what is the dream that God brings to Jacob in this moment? Well, it's a dream of a stairway to heaven. A ladder, if you will, a mystical ladder. And on this stairway, Jacob sees heavenly beings, the very angels of God, trafficking between the realm of heaven and the rhythms of earth, ascending and descending on that stairway, as if to communicate to Jacob that the redeeming presence of God is every bit as active in that rugged portion of wilderness as it is in the hallways of heaven, in the majesty of the heavenly realm. 
And what is it that what is it that Jacob hears the voice of God say in this moment as he's watching these, ascend, these ascending and descending angels on this stairway to heaven? What is it that God speaks to Jacob? Simply this, Jacob, all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. That is my covenant. I'm a covenant-making God, and I will honor that covenant through you. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, even though you might find it incredibly difficult to believe that right now in this wilderness on the run I will bring you back to this land God says to Jacob and I will not leave you until I accomplish through you all that I have promised that is Jacob's rock and roll dream in the wilderness and I describe it as a rock and roll dream only because well his head's on a rock And that's how God rolls. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know how that was going to go over. I appreciate that. <laughs> so a few thousand years later, on the corner of Park Avenue and 60th, and in a number of living rooms across this country and maybe beyond, what do we, as sophisticated moderns, make of Jacob's mystical ladder? What does this ladder reveal to us about the character of God and the nature of God's relationship with us? Well, maybe to find answers to that, we will have to allow ourselves to think a bit poetically this morning. At least long enough to consider the possibility that Jacob's unnamed wilderness stands as a pertinent metaphor for a number of intimidating spaces in which we find ourselves. I have a friend, for example, who is currently going through a divorce that he neither anticipated nor initiated. And he described the experience recently to me in a conversation as a wilderness. That was the image that he used, which helped me to understand the complexity that he was navigating emotionally, spiritually, even physically. I thought my days of wandering in the wilderness were over, my friend said to me. But here I am, wandering in the wilderness once again. The experience of divorce or broken relationship is a wilderness. So is cancer. So is poverty, so is addiction, so is anxiety, so is grief, so is anything that causes you to feel unsettled or uprooted or undone, be it a family situation that shatters your sense of home or a life situation that leaves you feeling lost in the wilderness, broken, cast aside. exhausted. Wildernesses abound, and as I look into your faces, I'm wondering what wildernesses are represented, even in this sanctuary space. And if these things can rightly be understood as wildernesses, spiritually, 
then perhaps a stairway to heaven is precisely what we need. It was certainly what Jacob needed. Maybe it's precisely what we need, a truthful revelation of a God who remains connected to what feel like the uncharted portions of our lives. A God who actually brings angels into wilderness places. A God who promises, promises to be redemptively and intimately present with us even when the circumstances become ugly and terrifying and overwhelming. Dream my dream, God says to Jacob and to us. Dream my dream and hear my voice. Your circumstances matter to me. Do not think that they don't. Your wildernesses matter to me, and I will not allow your circumstances and your wilderness to become anything less than the sacred ground upon which I make my presence known in your life. There's a stairway, God declares. There is a stairway connecting your wilderness to my heart. And I love how Jacob responds to all of this when the dream is over. Did you hear in the scripture what Jacob said? Surely. And I know, don't call me surely if any of you are comedically trained, but surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not even aware of it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And maybe in those words, we're reminded of why this mystical ladder, Jacob's ladder, is such incredibly good news for us. It tells us the truth. It tells us the truth of a God who stubbornly remains connected to those circumstances that tempt us to believe that God is absent. The latter tells us the truth that there is a sacred traffic between heaven and an earth that God stubbornly refuses to abandon. There's a hymn in the life of the church entitled, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder based upon, obviously, this portion of Scripture in Genesis. And that hymn, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder, um, is an African-American spiritual created and sung by enslaved people during their agonizing years of enslavement. And We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder in the 1800s was one of the first slave spirituals to be sung by white Christians. And I find myself wondering if there were slave owners or former slave owners in the 1800s who would sing that hymn of faith and feel the weight of those prophetic lyrics. Sinner, do you love my Jesus? And if you love him, why not serve him? How might those words have fallen upon the hearts and minds of people who were perpetuating human slavery? And perhaps it should come as no surprise to us that enslaved people might be drawn to this strange Old Testament story about a mystical ladder connecting Earth's wildernesses, including the devastating desert of slavery.
connecting humankind's wildernesses to the glory of heaven. Maybe this strange Old Testament story about a mystical ladder and the hymn that it produced became reminders to enslaved Christians that their particular wilderness would not be the definer of their journey. That there was a holy traffic between heaven and their pain, their injustice. And that every rung of that mystical ladder was going higher, higher into a heaven on earth kind of redemption in which an evil like human slavery could no longer exist. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Every rung goes higher, higher. Sinner, do you love my Jesus? If you love him, why not serve him? And I've long believed, friends, that the church of Jesus Christ is at its best when it's climbing Jacob's ladder. That ladder between earth and heaven, working alongside the angels of heaven to bring the goodness of heaven into the pain that people are are experiencing on earth. And don't we pray that every week when we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth. As it is in heaven. Traffic, you see, between the realm of heaven and the rhythm of earth. And I believe that those African-American Christians were helping us to understand by giving us words to sing in the midst of that. That the church is at its best when it's on that stairway, that ladder, working alongside the angels to bring the reality of heaven into the pain that people are experiencing on earth. And friends, whatever your particular wilderness might be today, and I don't know what it is, but my hope is that based upon what we're hearing in Scripture, that you will be encouraged. That you will know, maybe in a new way, that there is a stairway to heaven connecting your particular wilderness to the very heart of God. And the more we believe that, when we open our soul to the reality of that, not simplistically, but deeply, then every moment becomes spiritual. Every moment becomes linked to the rhythms of heaven, even the hard moments. And every moment of history becomes inseparably connected to the justice and the redemption that God envisions for your life and for this world. And the more we embrace the truth of that, the more we might be inclined to join our voices in crying out with Jacob. Surely the Lord is in this wilderness. Surely the Lord is in this circumstance. Surely the Lord is in this divorce. Surely the Lord is in this cancer. Surely the Lord is in this grief and pain and loss. Surely the Lord is in this place. And maybe for a moment, I was not even aware of it. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Thanks be to God. Amen.